When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, which is brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the business building community for change makers who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch and build a successful podcast so they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, joining me on today's show is Marcus Bales. Marcus, he is an award-winning professional speaker. He is an author as well as a coach specializing in social anxiety. Now, as a child who suffered from severe social anxiety, Marcus understands how difficult it is to overcome. Now, in his new book, Don't Shut Up, Marcus breaks down exactly how he overcame social anxiety. Today, he's going to share methods to combat anxiety. What can we do? He's going to talk about the best three things that you can do for public speaking for yourself and your audience. Now, this is relevant if you're speaking in person or maybe you're starting to do more live streams and get on Zooms and so forth. And he's also going to talk about what's this link between social anxiety as well as depression and so much more. So welcome, Marcus. Having me on the show, very excited to be here. Uh, we talked about before we went live, the fact that, you know, so many people who may have had a social anxiety beforehand, uh, before all of this happened, we went into lockdowns and so forth, are probably now also starting to feel a little bit of, well, the social anxiety when we're going online, doing Zoom calls, speaking. But there's so many opportunities, isn't there, to share your message, especially this is the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. So many uh, coaches, consultants, business owners, how do they get their message out? And if social anxiety, if uh, the fear of speaking in public, getting out in public, online, in person is something that they're struggling with. It can make it very difficult. So I love that you're sharing your story. You've got this wonderful new book out and don't shut up. Love the title, by the way, Marcus, um, which is great. So take us back. So what were some of the things, I mean, obviously as a young child, but um, how did that transition into kind of that young adult? Were you still kind of struggling with getting out and were networking? Tell it, take us back to that. Absolutely. So, you know, it's been kind of a, a lifelong journey at this point. It started right around sixth grade, uh, though I had social anxiety well before that. Uh, but sixth grade is really when I determined that, you know, I need to get better at speaking or I'm going to get left behind. So that started the journey. And it was just small steps every single day researching about social anxiety, realizing that I wasn't alone, that there were so many people just like me. And then eventually, after my adolescence, you know, kept pushing myself, eventually rising to the career of a professional speaker. Right. And I, I, I'd imagine that uh, 
So when you said you rose to to do professional speaking and you're an award-winning professional speaker now, at what stage in your journey and, and, and like your growth and knowledge growth did you decide, you know what, I'm actually going to do what it is you were probably fearing many, many years before that. I said, I'm actually going to go and do this, uh, well, obviously now full-time full and very much part of the business. At what stage did you do that? Was it kind of a, well, I'm going to even cause even more, you know, um, impetus to get this change? What was it? What timing? Yeah. So after high school, you know, I really started to branch out. I had been overcoming my anxiety for almost a decade at that point. And I just wanted to keep pushing myself forward. I knew that I could get better. And I had kind of, you know, worked my way through small personal interactions. And now I wanted to get better at, at public speaking. And I had the opportunity to actually meet and work under a, a very dear friend and, and mentor of mine uh, at an event company. And he brought me on to be one of their DJs. And that slowly morphed into becoming an MC. And soon enough, I was one of the most booked MCs in my area. And that really kind of perfectly transitioned into public speaking because I had so many events and so much time to progress as a speaker that eventually I was like, you know what? I want to do longer format things. I've got a lot of great ideas and things that I want to say. So it was the next logical step in my journey. I think that once you start something, you should just continue till you're, you know, satisfied with it. And, you know, I think every day I can still get a little bit better and help more people. Yeah. What I love about you sharing that story and just really flipping it on its head, isn't it? So often our limitations and what we allow to remain a limit, if you will, um, if we were, as you said, courageously continue to take the steps needed, the thing that used to scare you the most or whatever, I don't want to put language in words, but the things that you really did like doing, you're now an award-winning uh, person in that area and now you're helping others. So when someone is saying something to themselves, oh, there's no, there's no way that I can ever do that, actually there is. It's just depending on you as to, or speaking to the, to the audience, of course, what you're going to allow um, to remain true for you. So if you were to look back, and I know in your book, you, you've, you, we probably, I call these markers and milestones. These are insights that you've learned, things that you have done that looking back, when you're able to share that with others and you continue to do that, you can fast track. You know, it might have taken you 10 years, 15 years, but if people start to implement the steps that you share, they're able to get there far quicker. What would have been the greatest takeaway when you reflected over the manuscript, which is now your book, the greatest learning from that? Was there one for you? Yeah. So I think the, the biggest stride in overcoming social anxiety is when you can change how you identify yourself. So often, you're labeled an introvert, or you even self-identify as an introvert, or you self-identify as an extrovert. Both can have negative associations in your brain and cause you to fall into that stereotype. So when you have the freedom to identify as a confident speaker, you now make it a lot easier on yourself to kind of keep moving forward. And you don't have those doubts, those kind of invasive thoughts come into your head of, well, I can't give that speech because I'm a bad speaker. You can now say, I can give that speech because I am a confident speaker. And when you internalize those, those feelings, you, you start to build confidence. At first, it may be fake, but just like everything else, when you keep doing it, you eventually realize that that confidence was real and it was within you all, all along. 
And it's really the the next step of courage and then taking another step. What I love about what you've just said too is it's a reminder that, you know, so often the reason we're experiencing something or not experiencing something, and in this point is, you know, experiencing some anxiety. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to share some of the things that may be coming up. Um, and the reason I say that is because for many people over the last two years, they've been in lockdown. So, you know, many of the introverts, and I, I happen to be one of those, kind of when everything shut down, it was like, that is fantastic. We don't have to go out now and I can sit in my office. And, you know, sometimes I don't wander out, you know, of, of that. So I have to say that the reason I say that is because there may be some things that we need to be mindful of to say, hey, we can actually work through that. That's not something that you need to say, well, that's just, you know, to, to me. But what I do want to say before, before we dive into that is that how often we can limit ourselves because we just say that is that that just that's just who I am and what you've just reminded as, us of is that's who we are because that's what we keep speaking over ourselves the words and what we think and say out loud um, can really create the the evidence that we need and the results that we need too so we can change that we can change that so Back to that other question that I wanted to, to jump to is what are some of the things that we need to be aware of that maybe, hey, there is some social anxiety, recognize some of these things that would be happening for you? Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to recognizing your own triggers and your own responses. So at the heart of, of stage fright, social anxiety is just our flight, uh, our fight or flight response engaging. So yeah. everyone's is a little bit different. And when you can notice what it is, you can pick up on it earlier and start to help mitigate those symptoms. They never completely go away. I've been doing this for over 20 years and I still get nervous every time I go up on stage and speak. But what you start to realize is when you can identify those symptoms, you know, the shaking, the sweats, the, the uh, you know, nervousness that you feel you can start to redirect that energy in a positive direction. There's a lot of great scientific research out there that shows that when you embrace your stress response, you can actually put that energy into your presentation, into the activity that you're doing and get a better outcome. Mm. So being able to recognize your own symptoms and then being able to channel that energy in a constructive direction instead of a destructive direction is really a great place to start when you don't really know how to begin to overcome that anxiety. It, understanding that it's just your body's natural response and you have the power to control where it takes you mentally. Yeah. And I would imagine that many people, when they hear, heard you say, Marcus, embrace that, people went, how can I embrace it? But it is so true. I mean, I'll often say to people, look, I'm an extroverted introvert. And when I talk about introvert, I mean, yeah, there, there's an aspect of shyness, but I realize that as an introvert, where I recoup my energy is time on my own, being in my own thoughts. So if there's too much interaction, I call it too much peopling, I know that it's going to wear me down. And I realize that. So, uh, but when you talk about embracing that, it's being aware of that. And it, it, when you first start, it may seem a little bit awkward, wouldn't it, Marcus? But if you continue yeah. to do that, it becomes more and more aware. I notice it. There are obviously some things, and you're going to talk about those uh, in a moment. 
things that we can continue to layer over the top of that so that we're not sitting in that because we can continue to feed the anxiety to the point where you cannot even speak. And I've been in those situations where I've been out of breath and rather than calming down, my my voice is sped up and before long I'm gasping for breath and nobody, you know, can can win from that. Um, Take us through what are some of the steps that we need to be mindful of so that we can continue to to grow and, and get to a stage like you where you're able to go out on stage, share your message despite being a little bit nervous and, and so forth. What are some of those steps? Yeah, so specifically for public speaking, uh, you know, some of the things that I do right before I get up to speak, number one is recognize my symptoms. For me, my chest starts to get a little tight. That's my first symptom. When I feel that, I know that I need to start going through my relaxation routine which is not actually the relaxation routine most people would think of where you sit and you meditate. Mine actually builds myself up. The adrenaline is already in my body. So trying to flush it out moments before I step on stage is not always going to be the most helpful. So I fully embrace that by building myself up. You can talk to yourself in your head and say things like, you got this, you know this presentation backwards. And one of my most important tips is to remember that the audience is there for you. We often think that the audience is is our enemy, but at the end of the day, they're actually there to see you. They want to support you. And there's many examples that I talk about in the book of audiences actually stepping in and helping a struggling speaker to get through their performance or their presentation. So that's kind of my mental routine going into it. And then the last tip before you actually get on stage is to enter confidently. If you enter with your shoulders slouched, your head down, your your arms tucked in or crossed, you have this closed off body position that actually has a direct link to your mental state. It can affect your confidence as you walk onto stage. So you should open up your body position, enter confidently, because even if that confidence is faked, it's going to resonate through your speech. And if you can start on a positive note, you can usually continue all the way through the speech. So that's my routine right when I'm about to get up to speak uh, so that I know as soon as I get that mic, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Are there some things that you do even beforehand? Because I've I've heard that uh, how you set yourself up, if there's all these little mini things that you do along the way that would continue to support you. And then obviously before you get on stage, those the building up is very important too. But I, I, I think that might even start right before you even get up to the stage or even to the building because I know that sometimes even if I'm driving somewhere and I'm thinking about what's going to go on, can sometimes then start to, to see the, the nervousness start to increase too. What insights can you share with that? Yeah, and that is a completely valid response. You are afraid of being nervous So when you're about to get on stage, you have the nervousness, you have that stage fright. But beforehand, you're actually just nervous about being nervous. Mm -hmm. So the best way to alleviate that is actually to just have good preparation. The more time you spend before your speech, making sure that you know what you want to cover, you have an order in mind, you now have a roadmap in your head which can alleviate those stressors because now you know exactly how your speech is going to go before you ever even get on stage. Mm -hmm. So being able to prepare ahead of time, I believe is crucial. And that's how I alleviate a lot of those fears before 
I, I even get to the venue to speak. So days before, you can alleviate a lot of that stress if you say, man, I don't need to be stressed. I'm fully prepared. I've got everything documented. I've got a strong outline. I know what I want to say, and I'm educated on the subject. Yeah. It's really easy to talk about things that you know. You're more nervous when you talk about things you don't. Yes. You know, w- w- with what you've just said there, it's such a great reminder, isn't it, that what we're talking about, um, getting up and sharing that message, you shared some beautiful techniques that you do. And I'd love for you to share how you came up with those because some people, as you said, these work for you. There may be some other techniques that some of the clients that you've worked with or some of the stories that you must be sharing in your book that would be helpful for them. But it's there's a lot of different things that we can do up until the point that we step on stage that's going to help us knowing where the, the building is. I know for me, a night before I go somewhere, my bags are packed, all of that so that I don't have to spend time worrying about that or or where is this? I can't find that. That's all done. I even lay the clothes out uh, that I'm going to wear so that I don't even have to think about that, you know. But all these things help, doesn't it? Because we just want to continue to be in the zone. And even, as you said, you, you remind yourself, you build yourself up. I've got this. I've I've rehearsed that. I've practiced that. And let's just talk in a moment about practicing as well. All of those things help build you up. And so often we spend more time thinking about the things that what if I can't remember? What if I do? What if, what if, what if this? Let's flip the, let's flip the switch and the, the language we're using because that's going to make a, a huge difference. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you bring up a great point about having everything laid out. So not even just prepared for your speech, but prepared what you're going to dress, how you're going to get there. All of the things that you can prepare ahead of time, those are fewer things you have to stress about the day of. And there's actually a lot of scientific evidence to support that when you look good to yourself, you feel good and your confidence is higher. So if you lay out an outfit that you love, if you get a fresh haircut, you put on a fresh face of makeup, or you do your self-care routine, all of that adds up incrementally to provide a a boost of confidence as you enter that situation. Uh, And I talk extensively about how you kind of approach the physical world has a huge bearing on your mental state. It, it impacts one or the other, doesn't it? What about practice? I remember years ago when I wrote, was in the career industry and I wrote um, my book and then I had to do a presentation and the mayor was coming and all that kind of stuff. I rehearsed that thing in front of my dog and all that. So by the time that I actually was there in front of the audience, I knew that inside out, back to front, and I could just really be present with the the, the people there in the room. How How important is practice of the speech? It is the most important thing. Uh, I talk about practice in every single section of the book, whether it's personal communication, business, or public interactions like public speaking. If you can practice something before you actually have to do it live, you will then have that muscle memory, that mental memory to overcome that anxiety that you feel beforehand. We often don't think about it when it comes to speaking, but you'd never go and shoot a free throw in the NBA without ever shooting one before. But we do that so often with speaking. You go to ask that person out that you find attractive and you've never done it before. You go to a job interview for the job of your dreams and you've never gone to a job interview. You go up and you speak at a conference for work for the very first time 
and you've never volunteered to speak at an internal company meeting. So putting yourself out there at, at, at those situations where you can practice will allow you to build up that muscle memory and understand your stress response better. So the day of that big event, you fully understand how to handle that situation because you've been in it so many times before. Mm. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of practice in my life, but I also think that everybody can find situations to practice more, even if that's just going to the grocery store behind your house and talking to the cashier. All of those things start to tell your brain, hey, this situation went well. Maybe yeah. I don't need to be as nervous for the next one. Mm -hmm. And then you also get to build up your, your conversation skills or your presentation skills at each time you do it. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something interesting about the muscle memory and, you know, the more repetitive you've you've gone up and done the practice and I'd imagine that there are going to be some times where you have gotten up and unfortunately the the, the memory in your muscle is of that nervousness and so forth and so you said some beautiful things before about what you do as a way to build yourself up so you can repeat those but then I'd love to to learn what are some of the things that you did that enabled you to come up with those three things? What should we be thinking about? How could we come up with our three things, say, that would really help us to really build ourselves up? Or maybe we can borrow what you did. So did you want to repeat what those three things are? Yeah. So number one is to recognize your stress response. Everybody's stress response is a little bit different. So understanding how yours starts will give you more time to address it. Obviously, if it's five seconds before you step on stage that you notice it, then you don't have as much time. But if you're like me and you feel your chest get tight 20 minutes before, now you have a full 20 minutes to gradually bring yourself to a calm state. And then the next was build yourself up. And I think anybody can use this uh, tip. And you don't have to use the same language that I do, but you should find phrases that make you feel confident. You know, my go-to lines are, you've got this, you've done this a hundred times, you know this presentation backwards, the crowd is here for you. All of those statements to me, give me that sense of confidence. Mm -hmm. And then approaching with a confident open body position is actually scientifically proven to elicit feelings of confidence and give you that boost you need at the first onset of your speech. So, you know, understanding what position makes you feel best. You can try it out at home, stand in front of the mirror, open up your shoulders, you know, get your head held high and see how you feel compared to slumping over, crossing your arms, ha having your head hang low. All of those small things can really start to add up to a large confidence boost right before you speak. And you can also do your own research like I did. You know, I'm very much into evidence-based uh, approaches to things. So the open body position, it's a well-documented, uh, you know, science field called uh, postural positioning. And it allows you to have that confidence that you need. But there's so many more out there that might work for you. So continue to try it. And even if you think, oh man, this might be a little bit ridiculous, if it works, keep doing it. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how ridiculous you think it is. If it's working, then it's right for you and you can keep doing it. Yeah. I, 
Absolutely. And so, as you said, in the, the second stage, what are some of the words that build you up? That's really important. I remember uh, one of the things that I don't necessarily like to do um, is ring people back. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous because then I know I have to have a whole conversation and I knew that I have to do that follow-up. So I would just go to one of my team members and I just just point a finger at me and say, just go and do it. Get over yourself and go and do it. And that was enough that I needed, you know, in that moment. Okay, I will. But it, as you said, it's something that you say to yourself that's empowering and that is 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 going to give you, you know, kind of that 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 nice nudge um, that that you need, which is so important. And so often when we do go through that and those opening moments, as you said, that body language is definitely going to impact with your audience as well. Um, I would imagine that you then get to the end of some of those presentations and then just real, you, you recognise that you were in flow because you did all of those things, the information came out, the recognition and the, the verbal cues, if you will, that you got from your audience um, continued to, you know, confirm that what you were sharing was valuable because it obviously is. That's why you've been invited there to speak. But all of those things continue. Let that be something that continues to build us up and empower us as to why we're out there sharing that message because I know many of us have a message that we want to make a bigger impact in the world. We're not doing that if we're not out there uh, sharing that. But you've also uh, come up with um, a link. You've recognised that there can be a link between social anxiety and depression. Share a little bit more about this. Yeah, so I found that link actually in myself. Uh, I've obviously suffered from social anxiety for my entire life, uh, but I also had underlying depression and I didn't recognize it for a very long time. And the reason was I didn't talk about it because I was so afraid of what others might think of the thoughts that I was having about myself that I just locked them away. And the funniest part was I was consciously overcoming social anxiety in so many situations. And even when I was a professional speaker, I had bouts of severe depression and the irony of a man making his living while speaking, but couldn't even go and talk about his feelings didn't register with me until, you know, a very important moment in my life uh, that I talk about in the book. I won't, I won't spoil it. Uh, but it's one of those things where when you start to, to open up and you talk to others about how you're feeling, you can start to alleviate some of those feelings of depression. A lot of times, especially in modern society, depression is not always just a chemical imbalance. A lot of times it's linked to feelings of loneliness, isolation, self-worth, doubt, all things that can come from not opening up to other people. If you don't have a network of friends or family that you can talk to, you start to isolate yourself and those feelings of depression only escalate because now yes. the only person you're talking to is yourself. And yes. sometimes that's not the best way to do it. So I found a really close link between social anxiety and depression. And now there's been some research that, that has come out that has actually confirmed those findings. Um, so, you know, though mine was anecdotal at first, there are so many people who struggle with the same social anxiety and then the subsequent depression that comes from it. When yeah. you can't go out and talk to those, those people, when you can't have open conversations about yourself and how you're feeling, you start to just pile on that depression until it can eventually boil over. 
Yeah. And it makes so much sense, doesn't it? You know, so often we assume that no one else um, is experiencing that. But when we start to open up and share, I'm sure you would have had people, oh my goodness, me too. I mean, I'm sure if we were to go and interview, and I'm sure you have over the years because you've been in public speaking arenas and so forth. So you've bumped shoulders with other um, just as amazing speakers. When you start to hear from them, they go, oh, I still get nervous, you know, and you'd, you'd think, Really? You never would have seen it if we really knew the things that they did before they get got, got on stage. And so often we have our bar so high, set so high, we assume, look, I'm the only one that, that you know, would do that. And something that we may say on stage and you think, I don't know how that slipped out, but we can beat ourselves up about that, can't we? Yeah. And the, the crowd can be there, oh, we didn't really pick that up. Actually, we really love that. The conversations that we have and to beat ourselves up in our own minds, I mean, as you said, we need to get out and, and have a close-knit of people if we can that we can talk about that because they're, oh, we, got, we, we do that too. Really can make such a difference, can't it, when you speak about it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of, of changing my direction to now become someone who is, you know, the person people turn to about social anxiety. Instead of just speaking on random topics, I want to dedicate myself to show that, hey, you are not alone. There are people just like you, and you can overcome your anxiety. Yeah, you know, you don't have to become a professional speaker like I did. Even if you just want to talk to a couple people at, at work or find someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with, those things also take a sense of confidence and some speaking ability to achieve. So even if those small goals are all you're looking for, becoming a better speaker will help you achieve those. And, you know, I'm kind of living proof of that. You know, I, I really didn't think that I would ever end up where I am right now. Speaking on, you know, podcasts and, and speaking on stage, writing a book, uh, you know, of course, it's don't shut up. I mean, if you were to go back and tell your younger you, this is what you're going to have. This is, And so often, I think, when we see how far we've come, and I'm so glad, I just want to honour you and say thank you for speaking up and sharing because it's so true, isn't it? Sometimes we can go through experiences and, and have really healed through that and have really been able to build ourselves up. And now it's time to pass on the mantle and the learnings to others who are struggling with that same thing. And, you know, you can now say, Marcus, that in a moment we'll get you to share how they can get a copy of your book, how they can connect with you and so on, um, because you've gone there, you've, you've been there, you've gone through. These are the things that really worked for me. And guess what? You know, you now have a blueprint. You now have, uh, you know, some some ways and to address that, so we can get and move through that much quicker. And knowing that the social anxiety and um, being nervous, we all can deal with that to some, dis, you know, degree. For some of us, it's a lot more. But there's a way through. There's a way through for sure. So thank you for for sharing that uh, message. It needs to be heard. So, Marcus, how can people find out more about your book, Don't Shut Up, and connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah, so you can connect through my website, www.thespeechadvisor.com. Uh, there's a link to pre-order the book right now. It comes out on May 3rd. So next week, Tuesday, May 3rd, the book's coming out. It's going to be available on Amazon for Kindle, hardcover, paperback, 
And if you want to hear more of my voice, you can even get the audio book as well. Uh, and all of them will be dropping uh, May 3rd. Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations. This is a huge for you, isn't it? To see how all of the, the work that you've been doing now culminating in this book. So uh, it's an honour to be able to share that um, with our audience as, as well. So, and, and as I mentioned, you know, because of some of the lockdowns and now um, having to get out, we may find that, hang on a minute, something that Marcus shared, I'm actually starting to experience, you know, experience that a little bit more than uh, being able to recognise that. I think that often is a first really good step because when we were able to recognize something, we go, you know what, there's a way through, there's a way forward. Um, don't shut up, particularly if you are wanting to go to more um, events, whether it be virtually or in person is certainly a, uh, a wonderful resource. And who knows, maybe someone, Marcus, down the track will say, hey, that you're, you know, maybe joining a stage on will say, Marcus, I read your book so many years ago and now look at me now. I mean, that's, you know, what an honour to, to think of all of the lives you're going to be able to change through uh, sharing your message. Nothing would make me happier. That's that's really why I wrote the book. Uh, you know, a friend of mine came to me in need and asked for some some help on a presentation and to help them with their nervousness. And in the process, I thought, hey, I bet you there are millions of other people out there that would want to know this information. So the the whole goal of the book is to help as many people as I can because I just think, man, if I didn't overcome my anxiety what, you know, how different would my life be? And I want everybody to be able to experience that happiness, experience those events in their life that can only come from opening up and talking to other people and building those relationships. Yeah. You wrote the book that you wish someone had given the younger you. Absolutely. That's often what we do. <laughs> yeah. I've read every single book on public speaking and social anxiety and so many of them try to, you know, they do a great job and there's a lot of great tips and facts in there, but they almost sugarcoat it. And this is a raw interpretation of my life. The yeah. good, the bad, you know, you can relate to it because everyone has been in the situations that I've been in. And, you know, I would have loved to know that some of my favorite speakers felt the same way that I did. Mm. So I hope people read it and, and feel that. I, I really try to give them my most honest, you know, interpretation of my life and how I overcame social anxiety. Yeah, well, fantastic. I, I, I heard a story once, Marcus, and, and it is so true. There are people who can teach things, but people who have experienced it, worked through it, and then go and teach. There's a, there's a level of connection there, I think, and understanding that only a person who's experienced it can ever bring, you know, to, to share with others. But I remember a colleague of mine had a husband who was for many years, I think over 10 years, positioning himself for a role in his company and uh, finally he got that conversation you know come to the boardroom we want to offer you the position mind you we've changed it slightly now it's going to evolve uh, or require you to uh, to speak to teams of people around the country and he turned it down because he couldn't see himself and his wife felt so sad for him because he'd been working his way out, but he just couldn't do that. So he would have needed your book. Um, but for those people who are turning down opportunities that they have been working for many, many years, don't let this hold you back. 
there's a way through. So um, thank you once again for coming on the show and, and sharing your story, Marcus. Well, fantastic uh, to be here, Emery. Thanks so much for having me again. Um, and, and thank you to all the listeners. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.